everyone, Griffin Marie here, and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on the key drivers and risks for U.S. equity market performance, a conversation on the macroeconomic picture, and of course, a preview of next week. So I am excited to be joined today by Mike Gord, investment associate with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Mike, it's great to be with you and looking forward to our conversation today. Yes, good morning. Great to be back. Looking forward to it as well. Good morning to you too, Mike. Uh, now, taking a look at the performance of U.S. equities over the past few weeks, what have been some observations you've seen since earnings season got underway? Yeah, sure. So uh, why don't I start with a quick update of where we're actually standing so far this earnings season. Uh, so as of now, we've got about a quarter of the S&P 500 has reported Q1 results uh, with about, I'd say, 80 percent roughly beating on both sales and earnings estimates so far. Uh, but the size of these beats has been very strong with those that have reported beating earnings estimates by over 27% on average. So pretty substantial uh, beats on the earnings side. Uh, you know, markets are getting increasingly confident that these earnings beats will continue. Uh, and we see that in bottom up earnings per share expectations for the full year of 2020. So at the end of Q1, so just a few weeks ago, those EPS estimates were for $175 per, per share on the S&P 500, and now they're already above 180 a share. So, so some positive uh, signs from the market expectations there. Now, looking at the U.S. equity market more broadly, we have seen some interesting things going on over the past few weeks. Uh, the biggest driver of equity market activity in the month of April has, in, in my view, been the fall in Treasury yields. Uh, after starting the month at 174 on the 10-year, we're currently sitting just above 1.5%, so pretty pretty meaningful drop, though, after the run-up that we saw in, in the first quarter. It was probably a healthy correction. Uh, now, what this interest rate move has resulted in was a rotation away from that pro-value, pro-cyclical trade that we've been seeing work in the few months prior. Uh, so against this backdrop in April, large cap growth actually beat value by 5% and large caps overall out, outperformed the, the higher beta, more cyclical small caps by 8.5%. So pretty material reversal of what we saw in Q1. Now, I, I do want to stress that CIO's expectation is for this recent trend uh, in rates and equity performance to reverse a bit in the second half of the year. Uh, you know, we expect the 10-year Treasury yield to be closer to 2% by the end of 2021 from, from around one and a half today. Uh, and given that, we continue to be positioned pro-cyclically, pro-value to pick up what we see as likely outperformance by those more value-oriented and cyclical segments of the market. Absolutely, Mike. And shifting gears here, the anticipation of inflation has been top of mind for investors for some time now. Can you offer some insights into how inflation is manifesting itself nowadays, as well as what investing in an inflationary environment means across asset classes? Yeah, that's a great question. Definitely been on investors' minds lately. Uh, so, you know, inflation is really going to be the name of the game for the next couple of months. Right. Uh, is because we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the first low inflation readings following the lockdown orders of 2020. So the reduction in demand that led to softer prices last year, plus the increased demand now that people are beginning to fully re-engage with the economy, means that the year-over-year -year price increases that we're going to see through these official inflation metrics are going to be highly skewed to the upside. 
So what does that mean we should expect? It means that when we get the year-over-year CPI reading in a few weeks in in mid-May, it could very well be above 4% up from this month's reading of of just 1.6%. You know, this is going to raise concerns in the market over inflation heating up and concerns that the Fed isn't acting proactively enough to tame inflation and that things could spiral out out of control. Now, we think that this response is unlikely for a few reasons. Uh, the first and most important one is that, you know, this inflation increase that we're going to see, it's been telegraphed for months already. Markets know to expect this. The Fed has stated that they know it's coming. Now, what's critical is that the Fed has said and continues to believe that this inflation uptick we're going to see is transitory, and they expect price levels to plateau and then marginally decline later in the year as the data begins to normalize. And this is basically what we in CIO expect as well. You know, there's going to be some volatile days ahead as, as markets reprice and they may reprice inflation expectations following the release of these data points. Um, but we don't think the Fed is behind the curve and we expect them to continue to maintain rates where they are, you know, at least through the end of this year and likely 2022 as well. So given our view that any of these increases in inflation are truly transitory in nature, at this point, we don't recommend investors meaningfully adjust their asset allocations or their portfolios in response. Uh, you know, however, for those who would rather be overly cautious and, and look to pick up some assets that tend to perform well or at least hold up their principal value in the face of inflation, we do have a few recommendations. Uh, <clears throat> the first and perhaps most obvious is TIP. Uh, again, that's Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Uh, you know, their their payments are reset based on changes in the inflation metrics, providing you protection against those stronger increases. Uh, within the equity space, you'd want to be positioned in names that have a greater ability to pass on rising product costs on the consumers. Uh, so, you know, one equity sector that, that comes to mind and is a natural fit here is consumer staple sector. You're not going to go to the grocery store and not buy milk because, the price went up 10 cents a gallon versus the last time you needed milk, you're still going to buy that milk. Uh, And then in the real asset space, real estate tends to hold up well during inflationary periods, whether from, you know, a rising price of the property itself, rising rental incomes as rents increase or or both. Uh, And then lastly, commodities tend to hold up well, especially gold. Uh, You know, it's been used as a hedge against inflation for as, as long as the concept of inflation has been around really. So, so that's what's going on with inflation these days, Rick. Well, thank you for that, Mike. And staying on sort of the macro front here, are there any other uh, notable macroeconomic developments or, or data points you want to recap for us today? Sure. So uh, it was actually a fairly quiet week on the macro front, but we did get a couple of readings worth mentioning. Uh, the first was this week's you know, initial and continuing jobless claims numbers. Both of these continued their decline from the week prior, and, and the, uh, the initial claims came in pretty low at 547,000 versus the street's expectation of 610,000. So good progress there. Uh, the other data point I'll mention was the rise in mortgage applications, which saw a weekly jump from a 3.1 decline last week to an 8.6% gain, suggesting that even, even after this first quarter rise in interest rates, housing demand continues to hold up well. Uh, now, the last point I'll mention this week is that we, we did get word that President Biden plans to propose an increase in the capital gains tax rate to over 39 percent, double the current level. 
you know, markets sold off a bit in response to the news breaking with the S&P down uh, almost 1% yesterday. You know, I thought that was a bit surprising given that this is an explicit policy platform that Biden campaigned on. Um, you know, our initial reaction to CIO that is that this is really just the, the first shot fired in what's going to be a, a drawn out multifaceted debate on taxes. And, you know, we recommend trying to avoid any knee jerk reactions in response to this, this proposal. Uh, it's worth noting that we don't anticipate that a tax increase like this will have a meaningful impact on U.S. equity market performance. Uh, and that's really that's really predicated on the fact that just around 25 percent of the U.S. stock market today is owned by taxable U.S. clients. The, the remainder are owned by you know, retirement accounts, endowments, in, international investors. Um, yeah. So so that's what's going. That's what happened this week, Griff. Great, Mike. Thank you for that. And what's going on next week that investors should prepare for as a, as a final wrap-up question for us today? Yep. So a number number of further economic releases we'll be watching, as well as you know keeping an eye on DC. Uh, in terms of macro data, like every week, we're watching those initial and continuing jobless claims numbers. You know that they're continuing to fall, but still very stubbornly high. Uh, you know as these vaccination campaigns are really up and running, nearly full steam here in the U.S. We expect these numbers to continue to fall as you know those workers who were sidelined by the pandemic re-enter the workforce. Uh, next Thursday, we get the advanced reading for Q1 GDP growth. Markets here are looking for a 6.3% increase quarter on quarter after you know economic activity began really accelerating last quarter uh, with a 4.3% increase. Then on Friday we get personal income and spending data for March. Uh, you know we're, we're going to be looking for a big jump in incomes thanks to that recent fiscal package, and we're going to be watching the spending side to get an idea of how much of those stimulus checks are going towards expenses versus you know, padding what are already historically high savings rates. Uh, now, beyond the macro data, uh, again, keeping an eye on D.C., following Biden's announcement this week to raise uh, to raise the capital gains tax rate, uh, <clears throat> we're going to look for further details around this and around his second infrastructure proposal, the American Families Plan. And lastly, we will start to see some comments uh, from from both sides of Congress on the recent GOP counterproposal to Biden's first in infrastructure proposal. That that GOP proposal was released this week. So that's what we're looking for next week in CIO. Thanks, Chris. Well, Mike, thank you for your insights into what has been another eventful week on Wall Street. And uh, we look forward to having you back on sometime soon. Great. Thanks. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you too, Mike. Uh, and again, we have been joined today by Mike Gord, an investment associate with the UBS Chief Investment Office. As a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office authors a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com slash CIO. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you'd like to learn more about or receive a copy of any of the publications and blogs directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, uh, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes and Spotify. Visit UBS.com slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the UBS trending video series. So from UBS Studios, I'm Griffin Marie, and thank you for joining us.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the global wealth management business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer. 